I'm Maya Chupkov, and I'm a woman who stutters. Welcome to Proud Stutter, a show about stuttering and embracing verbal diversity in an effort to change how we talk about it, one conversation at a time. Welcome back to Proud Stutter. Today, I am joined by Melissa Herrera, our guest co-host for this episode. Melissa is the host and producer of Mimosa Sisterhood, a podcast that celebrates women's stories, past and present. We will be interviewing our guest for today's episode, Kylie Eastland. Kylie is an elementary school teacher. Welcome to the show, Melissa and Kylie. So Kylie, what was life like for you growing up? Did stuttering have an impact on your childhood? My family moved from California to Oregon when I was going into middle school. And I had been with the same cohort of students since I was in preschool. And so my stutter was never, um, you know, the occasional, uh, the occasional playground fun of me. But I had, you know, a group of friends who would defend me and stand up for me. And so um, it was fine. And it wasn't until I, we moved and I was the new kid, new state, you know, new school in middle school, which at that age is, is challenging. Um, it's really challenging. And those years of redefine who I was and growing up with this speech impediment, I know I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty sociable person. I like to say I'm an introverted extrovert because there's times when I, I love being with others and I, you know, I have a lot of things to say and I love talking to people. And as a person who stutters, you know, you're always, there's just this fear that you just carry with you about, you know, how's it going to go when I have to say my name, you know, my, my name starts with a, a K and that's a really hard, you know, consonant to get out often. And I'm really prone to block on, on that sound. And I think I've always just pretended like it hasn't been a big deal. And my uh, way to cope with my stutter growing up was, you know, it kind of like, if I make fun of it before anyone else can, then I have control over it. I hold the power. And I, I learned a lot of masking strategies. I was obsessed with controlling it. And I think that as I got older, I just kind of started to repress. I too was a new kid and I was in fourth grade when I changed schools. And that was by far my toughest year. I was bullied. And I think because of my stutter, I was targeted as weak. I also developed masking strategies just so I wouldn't put myself in the same situation as in fourth grade and be looked at as weak. And so that leads me to my next question. Kylie, can you recall a transformative moment around your relationship with your stutter? It could be recent or something from your childhood. This past two years have been really challenging on all of us individually and just as a global community. I'm an elementary school teacher. So when the pandemic started and we shifted to distance learning, we had to teach on Zoom online. And the thought of being inside, you know, my students' homes and all of their parents and everybody, you know, hearing me stutter in their homes, I, I had always felt nervous about how my stutter Im impacted my ability to teach, but I had never had to kind of face that fear of being on such a, a public stage before. And so I really had to work to overcome that fear. And I think I haven't recognized it until recently, but it really helped to grow 
my confidence in accepting my stuttering truly as part of my identity, which is something that I've said about myself before that I'm proud of it, but I think I've realized that that was a lie. And it's really been only recent that I've met other people in the stuttering community and worked to really reframe and reshape what it means to have a stutter for myself and for others around me. So this past two years, more than two years now, um, has been a continual uh, progressive transformative journey for myself. Kylie, have you always wanted to be a teacher and did your stutter ever make an impact on your decision to pursue teaching? When we moved from uh, California to Oregon, uh, I wanted to play soccer, but um, it didn't work out. And so my mom was, you know, talking with me about other things we could do. And she was like, you know, have you ever considered taking a, like a hip hop class or a jazz class, a, a dance class? And at first I was kind of turned off of the idea, but there was a local studio in Central Oregon that I ended up, you know, taking a couple classes in and I fell in love with it. I just, I loved I loved everything about it and um, ended up being with that same studio throughout middle school and high school. And um, as I got older, there were opportunities to teach. So I started teaching tap and jazz to kids. And I loved the mentorship role of it. I loved the connections and the relationships that I built. And I think I kind of reignited that like internal, you know, initial spark that I had about wanting to be a teacher. I, I don't think I ever wanted to be or even to this day love teaching because I don't it's not the it's not necessarily just the instruction you know like teaching the content but it's the building relationships and helping kids to you know see themselves for who they are and and recognize you know their internal strengths and so I think a little bit of my reason of becoming a teacher was being the person that I needed as a kid in order to you know help me see that you know, my stutter and for other of my students, you know, whether they're neurodiverse or um, whatever it, it is that makes them, you know, unique and different than others, that to truly see it as a strength and, and not just how I lived my life, which was pretending that it was, but in reality, doing everything I could to hide it. There, yeah, Kylie, there was a couple of things that you said that like got my brain thinking. Um, you had like sort of mentioned how you had experienced, you know, a bit of bullying as a child growing up with a stutter, which doesn't surprise me in the slightest, unfortunately. But then it got me to thinking about you as an elementary school teacher and once again being in a setting with school kids. And I'm curious if you've experienced that from any of your students. How do you sort of introduce this to the kids at the school? And have you ever faced any childhood trauma bullying resurface, you know, all these years later that sort of give you flashbacks to you as a child? Yeah, I do bring up my stutter uh, the first day of school. You know, when we're sitting in our community circle, I introduce myself and I say, you know, you might hear when I say some words sometimes, sometimes it's hard for me to get those words out. And I explain, you know, I have something called a stutter. A stutter is a speech impediment. So I give them the language, um, you know, I explain what it might sound like. And then I just tell them if, you know, when I stutter, um, be patient 
and I promise I'm trying my best. It's gotten easier for me to have this conversation and I've also learned more about myself as a stutter and what I truly want people that I talk with to know. But I just, I'm just honest with them. I say, you know, sometimes the words I say sound, you know, they might sound strange, they might sound different. Sometimes it makes me uncomfortable, it might make you uncomfortable and that's okay. You know, if you have questions, you can always ask me. I try to bring it back to empathy. And, you know, when I was when I was growing up, sometimes people made fun of the way I sounded. And they're always so cute. They're like, Missy said, I don't think like I like the way that you say the words. And they're they're so just inspiring and and kind. So I just honestly, my kids, I've I've never had an issue. Unfortunately, it's it's other adults. And I, I just think that that just goes to show that uh having you know, resources like like this one, like Proud Setter, that you know Maya has provided, are so incredible because it's just it's just broadening the conversation and the education for it because it just goes to show that you know they haven't probably met somebody that has a stutter or they're just uneducated about it. And I have had uncomfortable situations where I've met people and I've introduced myself and I've you know stuttered and I know Maya's heard it all. It's like the oh, did you forget your name or they laugh or you know they kind of mimic you. I haven't been brave enough to come out and say, oh, I have a stutter. I'm getting there. But when it, they learn about it, if it's a person that I you know, become closer friends with, you know, that person has come back with me and apologized for that. And I, I say, you know, it's okay. Thank you for, for doing that. So I think from what I have learned being a teacher is that if you just have the conversation about you know, what diversity is and what neurodiversity is and disabilities and just being respectful to others, if you just have those conversations earlier, that will truly help to just raise the next generation of people that accept that as just normal. I don't know anybody that hasn't had a moment where they haven't stuttered. I just happen to do it more often. The earlier we start having these conversations, like elementary school, like these kids are sponges and they'll internalize a lot of these things for their whole lives. And so I think um, we need to have more elementary school teachers who stutter and or just under or not even who stutter, but just um, have those types of conversations conversations around disability and diversity in very young ages. I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think it just, it just goes to show why uh, representation is so important. And it's important that you see yourself um, in stories and in the books you read and the shows you watch and the podcasts you listen to. And every student I've had, I've been teaching since my fifth year, every group of students that I've had, which is over a hundred by now, which is amazing. um, I know that if when hopefully when they meet another person you know who's who's stutters they'll just be better prepared to be an ally to that person i didn't meet another person who stuttered until i started working in an elementary school one of my my coworkers who is one of the most incredible women i've ever had the pleasure to meet and i cannot explain the relief it is to just talk about a shared experience with someone. You know, when the pandemic hit and we, I was able to reach out and meet other people who stutter or people who don't stutter and just are curious and want to know, you know, more about it and educate themselves. It's just this excitement that I I didn't realize that I was going to have, you know, over it. Yeah, I never felt fully understood until I met someone else that stuttered. It's such a human thing to like bond over similar experiences like yes we're talking about stuttering but there's so many other things that is a unique experience that people can can 
bond over. Um, I think podcasting is just a great way to help spread more awareness. Absolutely. And it's accessible, you know, as long as you have a computer and an internet connection, you pretty much anybody can kind of make a podcast in this day and age, which we can't say about an HBO television series or, you know, a quick novel. Like, I feel like it's one of the most affordable and available tools that is like the quickest way to kind of get that message out and to also connect with other like-minded people. I mean, the fact that your podcast has already connected you to so many people or even at the convention, you know, when you, Maya, introduced your podcast, like, I feel like every single person responded with like, oh, I know somebody with a stutter or my sibling has a stutter or my coworker or whatever. And I, I've i never known that there are that many people in the world with stutters um, until I was with you walking around and everybody we interacted with knew somebody with a stutter. And I'm like, holy, wow. Because <laughs> I just think those aren't conversations being had until the conversation's being had. And then you really see like, this is you know, it, there's somebody, I think like everybody in the world has a direct connection in some way to another person with a stutter. It was really cool to kind of see them connect with you and be excited about what you were doing. Yeah. And it's interesting because through Proud Stutter, I've met met people that they never labeled themselves as a person who stutters. Because I think there's like a fear in that once you own it, it's like more real and you can't just like suppress it. And I feel like that's, that was my whole life just until October. I spent my whole life trying to hide this part of myself to come off a certain way. And like once you own it in a public way, there's no turning back. So I might as well just run with it. It's, it's very freeing, but then at the same time, I still get those feelings when I'm like about to like earlier today, I had to welcome a panel um, and I had a script and everything. And even with everything with Proud Stutter, I'm still just like, oh, if I stutter, like, what are they going to think? So it's like those things are still so ingrained in me. And yes, I've come a long way, but it's okay to like still you know, have those feelings of like not totally being proud of your stutter. Like I like to say I am, but there are moments when I try to hide my stutter. It's just kind of like ingrained in me. It's really important to go easy on yourself because it's a journey and sometimes you're going to hate your stutter and sometimes you're going to love it. I think that also just the spreading awareness um, and how I've seen that kind of uh, affect schools um, in the educational setting, you know, when you, because stuttering is a pretty typical part of development up until a certain point, and then it becomes, okay, you know, is this something that we want to, you know, connect with a speech language, speech language pathologist on? It's, that's been another interesting part about being a person who stutters working in a school setting is sometimes I, I wonder if people are like, when you've gone to speech, like, shouldn't you have fixed this kind of a thing? And I have my own journey and uh, experience with speech therapy. And I think that everybody should have autonomy over whether they want to, you know, find resources or, or coping mechanisms. But what I, what I have seen as of late with stuttering is just a really big emphasis on 
making sure that when we talk about stuttering, so much of it is how they feel about their stutter, how they feel when they stutter, how they feel about them themselves as a person who stutters. And I want to really work to bring that awareness to when we identify, you know, students in elementary school who have a stutter and, you know, when we're having conversations about, you know, what their what their treatment and what that what that therapy looks like, making sure that we're not framing it as that there is something wrong with you. You know, it's it's asking them how do they feel about their stutter. You know, what do they want to get out of speech therapy? You know, is the goal to be fluent? Is the goal to learn strategies to to not stutter at all? Or is the goal to just become more comfortable with those times when you have to introduce somebody? Or for me, it's like I avoid any time that I have to read a number over the phone. I, I like a credit card number reading over the phone is like my worst nightmare. I avoid it at all costs because inevitably I'm going to stutter and it is that same thing. What is that person going to do? Are they going to laugh? Are they going to ask me to repeat it? Usually they just say, oh, I think your phone connection is breaking up. And I just go along with it and say, oh, yep, that's right. A huge part of it is um, just the emotional side of it. As someone who doesn't stutter, Melissa, has there been a time in your life where you felt like very understood by meeting someone that maybe you had like a common bond with or something? Yeah. I mean, every time on my own podcast, when I bring a guest on the show who's passionate about celebrating women's stories, half of what I do on my podcast is tell stories about women from history. And we each will tell a story of a woman from history. But, you know, most of the time I'm showing up with somebody I've never met in real life, somebody I've maybe connected with briefly online via social media. Maybe we've exchanged a few, you know, comments, DMs. Most often this person lives, you know, in another state across the country. By the end of that podcast recording, I've like developed a new friend and I'm like, oh my God, I feel so bonded to you as two women who are both passionate about uplifting women's stories and celebrating all of the ups and downs of a life because there are great things, bad things, difficult things they overcome, huge successes that they experience, and nothing ever happens without so many challenges. And while the women uh, vary, the stories have a lot of similar themes. And it's just really amazing, you know, at the end of that experience to feel we've both just done good together as complete strangers and you know there's this element of sisterhood in my podcast and I always feel like I've sort of practiced sisterhood in a sense with a complete stranger and I feel like that's just super special in my life I don't have a ton of really intimate girlfriend relationships yet I have developed so many of them through my podcast community and the guests that have come on my show and that has just truly made me feel accepted, seen, not alone. And um, it's been really empowering. So yeah, I feel like ever since I started Proud Stutter, like I finally feel like because of my stutter, I do sometimes feel the need to like overcompensate and to like prove myself. And so I want to be careful because sometimes it's like I have to make sure that I'm doing it for me and I'm not doing it to overcompensate because of my stutter because all my life I've tried to like overcompensate and like do all these amazing things because I wanted to prove everyone that I'm just a normal person and that I can do all these things and that 
just because I have a stutter doesn't mean I can't do these things. And so I think with the podcast, I've really found that balance. Kylie, do you ever feel the need to like overcompensate or like, because I've, I've read and I've witnessed that that tends to run in stuttering a lot. Definitely. I can empathize with that. And mental health is something that I also have found uh, the, we've, we've really worked to like, you know, break down the stigma around talking about it and those feelings of, you know, anxiety. You know, I was diagnosed with uh, an anxiety disorder when I was in high school. High school was really hard for me. That's when the bullying around my stutter, you know, really intensified. And I think I started to really just um, shut down talking in settings with people I didn't know because I didn't want to risk, you know, what they would think about me or what I, what I thought that they would think about me. Everything was this, you know, this fear of even trying. So it could have been fine, but in my head, it wasn't going to be fine. As a teacher, I'm definitely uh, very hard on myself. Um, You know, imposter syndrome is real, but I feel like I love what I do. You know, hearing hearing both of you talk about, you know, your podcast and this using your creativity in a way that, you know, allows you to spread awareness, you know, b- build connections with people, build relationships is is so powerful and I I I do feel like being a teacher is where I am meant to be. Um, you know, one of the one of the, uh, the the coping tools that I've read about for people who stutter teaching, especially in uh, lower elementary school, often days, it's like you're on a stage like you are. You are putting on a show, especially in these last weeks of the school year. And I just it's it's just fun. And it's it's one of those moments where I don't have to I don't have to try to pretend I'm someone that I'm not. I get to just kind of be authentically who I am. And I stutter a lot. And I often you know, ask students to help me read words. But I also feel like my stutter has helped me to be a better teacher and a better educator in so many, you know, ways. Because I have a stutter, you know, I have so many additional, like, visual resources for my students to use because I know that it's going to be really hard for me to say all these things in front of them. So if I write them up on the board, that's one more tool that I have. And it's also beneficial for my students. So I think that I, while I do struggle to feel like I need to overcompensate to prove people wrong. I feel like every day that I am in the classroom, I am just more sure and confident that it's where I want to be because it allows me to, it's the only place where I felt I can truly be who I am. My stutter doesn't get in the way. That's incredible. It's just like ultimate freedom. It really is the ultimate freedom, and I just wish that feeling upon everyone, no matter if you stutter or you don't stutter. Um, So Kylie, I had another question for you. I hadn't really myself opened up about my feelings towards my stutter until launching the podcast. Do you talk about stuttering with your family? I honestly feel like it's only been very recent that I had brought up with my my family kind of my stutter when I told my mom and my my family that I was you know going to be interviewed on this podcast I I think that it was the first kind of step in you know starting that conversation I've I've always been pretty headstrong and independent and I think that as a 
as a kid, even, even with my family, you know, I just, I pretended like it didn't bother me. And, and if, as long as I acted that way, then, then nobody brought it up. I didn't start going to speech therapy until I was in, I think middle school or high school. It was something that I, I think I asked my parents if I could go and do because I, it had started to really affect, you know, my ability in high school to to meet new people. Speech therapy, it didn't work out for me. I think that the ideology of the speech therapist that I was working with was was very much a, you know, there's like, the, the goal is to not stutter at all. And it was very much framed in a, like, there is the, this is a disability, there is something wrong, and we're going to work to, you know, get rid of this. When in reality, I needed somebody to tell me that it's okay to stutter. I didn't, I didn't receive that. Honestly, I, I haven't talked with my family quite nearly enough about how hard it was, I think, growing up with it. I feel awful. I definitely got my little brother in trouble a couple of times by saying that he made fun of my stutter when he didn't, because I knew like that was going to be the trump card for, you know, if we got in a fight, like I was going to win if I accused him of this. And uh, it's terrible. I only did it like twice, but I still to this day carry so much guilt. And the look on his face, because he, he would, they would never and he was actually one of the first people that I, I told about being on this podcast because I just, I knew that he would understand, you know, what it meant to talk about that part of me. And I think he's always known that it's a much bigger part of me than I've wanted to admit. You did mention um, labeling stuttering as a disability. And for me, when I first started thinking about that, I was like, no, I don't have a disability. What are you talking about? But then when I started to think about it more and when I started writing about my stutter, I realized that, oh my God, I do have a disability. And I was so afraid of owning it because I thought people would think I was like faking it or something. I don't know. Like that was my biggest fear. But then as soon as I just started ex like just claiming it, the more I was like, yes, it is a disability. And so I'm just wondering, like, do you consider your stutter as a, di a disability? And um, if you can like expand on why or why not? Yeah, I have a very similar experience. For the longest time, I never, I think, wanted to admit that it, it was a disability because, you know, I am otherwise perfectly healthy and I can, I can access, you know, the world around me. And I, I felt like it was, um, in valid, in, in, in valid dating, um, the, you know, disabilities of, of others. But I think, um, you know, being a teacher, I have, I have conversations about, you know, students that are, have learning disabilities and learning differences and, you know, who are neuro reverse. And when we talk about, uh, you know, inclusion and making education accessible for all, you know, we talk about, we frame those as, you know, those, everybody deserves, you know, to access learning and, and education. And it's all about making the opportunity accessible for all. And so for students, you know, that have ADHD, that's a disability, but, you know, but it has, like a person with ADHD has so many strengths as well. And there's also things that are really challenging. You know, the classic ones are sitting still, focusing on a task. There can be a lot of, you know, internalized shame for students who have ADHD because it is harder for them to focus or pay attention. And I think that I have seen incredible 
growth in education on you know what learning looks like and how students don't all need to fit into a, a box of being you know neurotypical or accessing their learning in the same way you know a, a modern day classroom is not all students you know sitting in perfect rows by themselves you know their bodies are 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 moving around and they're using different stools or you know tools or, or fidgets and i think for myself recognizing that I deserve to, you know, access the world just like everyone else and recognizing and labeling my stutter as a disability allows me to validate those moments when when I it is harder for me. I won't say that I can't because I really, you know, try to think that um we can do hard things, which is something that we've been talking about in my school this past month. So I think I'm just really carrying that mantra with me. And uh cuz I think it's we like to talk about uh, diversity and how it makes this world beautiful, but there's a difference between uh, celebrating diversity and like ableism. And I think when you have a disability, which it's also taken me a really long time to recognize that a stutter, you know, can be seen as a disability. It doesn't allow me to access things in the same way that you know non-stutterers might. I just kind of wanted to reframe the whole feeling that I grew up with, and I think my want to do that has really inspired my work in becoming a teacher and just really helping you know the younger generation to just to grow in their like self-confidence and self-esteem and identity and not feel like they are held back from pursuing any you know, dream or passion that they want to even if that's just talking to other people because for me i can think of you know so many times when i just wanted to be brave enough to speak up or say or tell a joke you know, um, when I was at a, at a party and I just couldn't do it because I was scared. And it's I think that's that fear that I don't want my own students to have. Um, but, you know, when I go to uh, when I go to Starbucks and order my coffee and they ask for my name, you know, that is that's a that's a horrifying moment for me because I know I'm going to say I can't tell you how many times I've lied and said a name that's just easier to say, like Anne. My middle name is Anne and and. Kylie is one that I am far more likely to stutter on. Um, and so I think that, you know, times that I've had to read a credit card number over the phone, I've stuttered probably every single time. And that is a different experience than someone who doesn't have a stutter. And that's okay. And it's because of that disability that makes my experience different. It's more challenging in a lot of ways. There are some days where I'd like to say it doesn't bother me at all. That's that's not true. It does bother me, and it's because of this disability that I I have you know all those different feelings. Uh, something that I've been working uh, with my my therapist on the past year is recognizing that you know you can feel emotions at the same time. Like emotions are not mutually exclusive. You can feel proud of your stutter and also frustrated by it at the same time. That is okay, and uh, validating both of those emotions for myself. I think has really um, opened the door for me to not stutter less, but just be less scared of it. Um, I was just going to like, I was just going to comment in general based off of how you had described your experience um, with, I think you said a speech therapist, how the experience wasn't great because um like the point that you made a lot of the like ideology behind it is 
sort of the purpose of fixing the stutter, which implies it needs to be fixed because it's a problem. And, um, you know, I never really thought of that before. And I, I love what you said and, you know, that that's really not, I guess, an appropriate approach for every single person with a stutter. There might be some people who go into that type of speech therapy with the intent to get rid of it. And there might be other people who maybe want to go to the therapy with, you know, the intent to maybe improve things about it or also just to have somebody there to kind of support them while they evolve in society where stuttering is, you know, a disability. And so I guess one thing I was curious about is like, have you ever considered like pursuing that type of career? Um, Because I feel like it's still in like the teaching realm and, you know, you already work so well with children and just curious if you've ever thought about, you know, since you didn't kind of get that for yourself, have you ever thought about sort of taking that direction in career and providing what you didn't get for the kids that could maybe be wanting that today? Yeah. Um, I I haven't considered uh, for myself pursuing it. I will say that um, on uh, the trivia night that Maya hosted, there was actually a speech language pathologist with a stutter. And I was blown away um, because what? Like, no, that's not a thing. You know, we, this is how, how? And even as a person who stutters and who, and who seeks to, you know, say like, you can be anything you want to be. I, I still was like, except that, you know, and, and I don't know why. And what does that say about myself and how I perceive others, you know, with a stutter and just listening to him uh, talk was incredible. And I can only imagine how much better just equipped he is to do his job and, and help, you know, his students or his patients because of his lived experience and the connection that he has with them and, and the trust that, you know, they're able to have in him that he understands the experiences because so much of having a stutter is the feelings of it, you know, the, the, the shame and the humiliation and the embarrassment of it. And I think that, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I wanted to be I wanted to be the person that not only that I needed, but that um, my my little brother actually um, needed as well, because he is um, one of the most brilliant people. And I'm not just saying that he is truly like one of the most intelligent uh, people I have ever met. Um, and he has ADHD. And it's, I believe, because of that, that he is able to access learning and knowledge in a way that a neurotypical individual can't cannot. Um, but for the longest time, you know, he never recognized that potential in himself because he didn't fit into the box that, you know, the public school system needed him to. Um, and I think it's because, you know, growing up, even in, you know, my generation, which isn't that far from my current students, there has just been such a shift in ideology toward any disability and what it means about the individual and the potential of that student and recognizing that their disability is part of their identity. And if you are seeing their disability as a deficit, then you are causing harm. You are hurting them. Um, and I feel with, um, you know, my setter, there are students in my school who have a setter. And I, you know, I want to, I, I have yet to have a student who 
who stutters. And I will be, it will be really interesting for me because, you know, if having conversations with parents about what their goal is for their student and making sure that their student has a voice in what they want, um, you know, often a student is, is, seeking, is seeking speech therapy just because they want to talk about the experience of stuttering and, you know, what that feels like. Um, and so I think that the role that I'm in right now is where I um, belong because it just allows me to uh, kind of teach and, and interact with, with the whole student. Um, and I work side by side with our speech language pathologist who is incredible and she absolutely uh, recognizes the need to, um, you know, talk about this whole other other side of stuttering that is, you know, how the person feels and what are the personal goals for that student and making sure that their voice um, is involved in, you know, what their speech therapy experience is, which is really important, I think, for anyone that is seeking, you know, treatment or therapy for any disability. Well, I think that's a great place to end just because it kind of wraps it up in a nice little bow. And um, yeah, thank you both so much for being part of Proud Stutter. I honestly like, uh, I have so much to think about um, after everything we've talked about. So yeah, thank you both so much. And that's it for this episode of Proud Stutter. This episode of Proud Stutter was produced and edited by me, Maya Chupkov. Our music was composed by Augusto Denise, and our artwork by Mara Ezekiel and Noah Chupkov. If you have an idea or want to be part of a future episode, visit us at www.proudstutter.com. And if you like the show, you can leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Want to leave us a voicemail? Check out our show notes for the, the number to call in. More importantly, tell your friends to listen too. Until we meet again, thanks for listening. Be proud and be you. Be you.